0: We're starting a new series this week. We're talking about wisdom. Uh, tell your neighbor right now, just to get them on point, just tell them this right now. Just look at someone and say, hey, wise up. Wise up? Wise up. Just to encourage them. That's what it's about. Say it nicely. Yeah? So try it again, maybe. Wise up, please. Please. Like nicely. We're we're talking about wisdom and hey, by the way, if that's your number on your sticker, 9U5. Uh, your kid's getting wild up in the nursery or something. I don't know what's going on, but that might be you. That's your cue um, to go get your kid. But that's what those numbers mean. Anyways, good morning. Uh, Did we get them? We're not going to like, we'll just not look and we won't make you feel bad. Did you know that my youngest daughter, she literally never handled children's church for like, I don't know when she first started going, like four years old. Like my wife missed every sermon and everything because she's like, our kid can't handle. That's super embarrassing. It's a pastor's kid. And she's just like, the other kids would come to report, like, Sammy is crying, making all of us cry too. And I'm like, okay, just get her out of there whatever. So I, I feel your pain on that one. But, but our children's church is amazing. They do such a good job. And those of you that serve on the Dream Team in there, thank you for taking care of our cakey. Can we give it up for the children's church? I honestly can't tell you, How many people come to Anchor Church because their kids love the Children's Church? And they're like, "Eh, Pastor Carl's all right, but my kids love the Children's Church. So thank you. It's amazing. We got a good church going on around here. Um, I'm talking this morning about wisdom. We're starting a new series in Wise Up. And this is really going to be a good one. It's a fun one. We're going over the book of Proverbs, and it's really all about wisdom and how important wisdom is. But I wanted to do an object lesson because I really want to lock this in. This is the, the first of a seven-week series on wisdom. And, and, and here's the deal is wisdom is super, super, super important. You're, we're going to see that in the Bible here. But I wanted it to lock into your head with an illustration, an object lesson this morning that you'd hopefully remember. Um, so I have asked Kea, my lovely assistant here. She went down to McDonald's, or we had someone go to McDonald's. Anybody hungry for an Egg McMuffin right here? That you, any, free? I'm gonna give away a free Egg McMuffin. Is anybody into an Egg McMuffin? We got a lot of hands going up. Here's the deal. There's a catch. You have to come up, and I will give it to you free on the stage, and you have to take your first bite on the stage just so i know you didn't let it go to waste i promise i didn't add anything to this and whatever but you have to take a bite on stage anybody still want that free breakfast come on it's worth it get up here if you want we got to we got to take her all right whoa and he jumps right up so wait wait hold it easy there's always a catch there's always a catch this is Brad guys that welcome Brad Brad Younger how's it Brad now, Brad, all you have to do to earn this free Egg McMuffin is for all of us is open it and just take a big old bite in front of everybody. This is just an object lesson for everybody to see what's going on. So, Brad, this is yours. There's I no spiders there. no, in know. it. I Come know. on, man. You got, you, this is what you volunteered for. And you ran and jumped everybody on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you, buddy. It's all good. Everybody watch carefully. Cheer on Brad. Come on, man. Oh, big. is up, Brad. Big bite, right? I didn't doctor it in any way, so how does your egg McMuffin taste? It's eggless. <laughs> it's eggless. Well, Brad, come here, buddy. I feel bad for you. You get to enjoy the rest of this, and because we feel bad that you bought it, ate an eggless McMuffin. Here's the real deal. So you get one and a half egg McMuffin. Give it up for Brad, everybody. So you never know. You get a volunteer. You get a free breakfast and a half. But here's. The problem with an egg McMuffin is the problem that he didn't like, he noticed it right away, was it's missing the main ingredient. And it's still a pretty good bite, right, Brad? It was still a good bite of food, that first bite. It was just a McMuffin without the egg, right? And so it's like, it's all right. But it's missing the main ingredients, missing the egg. Now, here's what I want to get across to you guys today, and I hope you remember this, is what we're going to be talking about here with the book of Proverbs and talking about wisdom on this topic. We're on this topic for seven weeks. Wisdom is amazing. In fact, just listen to this. Here's Proverbs itself speaking of wisdom in in chapter four, verse seven. Wisdom in life is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. You know what the Bible is actually saying here in the original language is, when it says it's supreme, it may say different things in in your guys' Bible. It may may use the word, um, the Somebody else, what what does it read in your, I think the New King James uses a a specific different word. Does anybody have New King James, Proverbs 4, 7? Anybody brought their Bible? This is church, by the way. Um, Anybody have the New King James version of Proverbs 4, 7? What does it say about wisdom? Oh, you got to open it. Well, come on, Paul. There's a word that it uses. It says in this version, supreme. I think it starts with a P. Principle. Sorry, Paul, she beat you to it. That's the word. So here's what I'm getting. Wisdom, it says by the author, King Solomon, that wisdom is principal thing. It's the main thing. It's the first thing. It's the most important thing. It's the supreme thing in all of life. There's a lot of different things you can chase after. And it's saying, get it at all costs. That that wisdom is different than just acquiring all the knowledge in the world. Because what wisdom is, is the knowledge, the understanding, the experience applied to your life. It's basically the definition for wisdom is skilled living. Is that you do everything right? You learn how to live life correctly the best you possibly can if you get wisdom. But here's my point going back to the eggless egg McMuffin is that the egg McMuffin without the egg, it's still pretty good. It's a good meal, but it's missing the thing that makes it the absolute best it possibly could be. Wisdom. If we follow along in this series in the 31 chapters of Proverbs and we learn about wisdom and we apply wisdom to our life, it's still pretty good. But if you're missing the main ingredient, you're not going to get the total blessing, the supreme, best, incredible, most principal power. Of wisdom at work in your life if you're missing the main ingredient. So I want you to remember that because I'm not gonna tell you the main ingredient until a little bit later in the sermon. I want you to remember, man, I want wisdom. Wisdom is the main thing, but I gotta make sure that I have this, which is this main ingredient. We're gonna get to that. But Proverbs, we're gonna be in the book of Proverbs for the next seven weeks, written by King Solomon. He was a son of David, he had big shoes to fill, his father David died. He became the third king of Israel. Saul was the first king, right? He kind of turned his back on God. David came in, and everyone loved him. Integrity, man after God's own heart, skillful warrior. He wrote the Psalms. He was a shepherd. He screwed up a little bit with Bathsheba, but he came right back, repented. And everybody goes, man, David was the man. We love him. So he dies, and King Solomon comes along. He's made king. And he said this, God, I'm freaking out here. i got to manage all of your people. They love my dad. I've got big shoes to fill. I don't know how I can do this. I'm scared you got to help me. God said, anything you want, Solomon, I'll help you out, man. I love you. In fact, he changed his name from Solomon to Jedidiah, which actually means loved by God. God loved this guy so much. And Solomon said, look, I I don't know what to ask for. I could ask for money. I could ask for, for help. I could ask for all this. He goes, you know what? I just need wisdom, God, because your people this is, this is a big responsibility for me. These are your very own people, after your heart, the, the Israelites, the Jewish nation. And God, all I need. His understanding and wisdom to know how to govern them and to make you proud. And God being the God that he is, he didn't just go, well, here's a little bit of wisdom. He goes, Solomon, you are now going to become the wisest person on planet earth. And it says there was never a king before or after him that knew all the stuff that he knew. People would visit him from other countries and they're just amazed he knew everything about everything. He had this wisdom. So he wrote some books of the Bible. He wrote three books. There's five books of wisdom in the Bible. There is um, Job, there's Psalms, and then the next three were written by Solomon. It's Ecclesiastes, if you ever read that book, The Meaning of Life. There's Song of Solomon, which talks about uh, the relationship between God and his people, but it's also like a romantic love, how love should be done properly. And then there's this book called Proverbs. Proverbs, the, basically the definition of a proverb is a one-sentence kind of nugget of truth and wisdom. And you read through Proverbs, and that's what you find. Sometimes I'm reading the book of Proverbs, and I just stop, one is the thing that I was looking at for the day, and that's my truth for the whole day. Like, I didn't even read a chapter. I just said, dang, that one thing is full of such practical wisdom for my life. So here's the deal. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And if you're not familiar with it, I want to get you guys familiar with the book of Proverbs because I believe in what we're teaching, that wisdom is so important for our daily lives. 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, I'm going to challenge you to this. We're going to be teaching from Proverbs in the next seven weeks here at Anchor Church. I'm going to challenge you because I'm going to be doing this. I used to do this for years of my life without anybody challenging me to it. This is my daily devotion. 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, 31 days in a month, give or take. Basically, what I'm asking is that we would commit to reading one chapter of Proverbs every single day for our daily devotion Add it to what you already do. And you base it on the day. So today is the 23rd. You read the 23rd chapter of Proverbs. Tomorrow, the 24th, and so forth like that. If you miss a couple days, don't beat yourself up. Don't get all legalistic. Just jump back on whatever day of the week, that day of the month, that is, and read. Can I get you guys, anybody willing to take that challenge with me? Just read a chapter a day. There's your devotion. I just helped you. And where do I read in the Bible? Just read a chapter of Proverbs. So we're gonna be doing this, and I'm gonna tell you this, that at the end of these seven weeks or as you just begin to apply this watch how you're going to make decisions differently watch how your life is going to change as you're just feeding off of the wisdom that god has given to solomon that he wrote about here in scripture but here's a warning though let me just talk to you about wisdom itself and what the bible says about it the warning is this be careful that you don't seek the wisdom that's based on your own wisdom look at what proverbs twenty-six twelve says do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes that means wisdom comes from him alone There's more hope for a fool than for him. There's more hope for just the idiot out there in the world than for someone that says... I'm gonna base the wisdom in my life all on what I feel. My own emotions, my own limited understanding is that when you base wisdom off of your own gut feeling and your own what you think is right, is that it's gonna come back and it's gonna bite you every time. Anybody ever would say you're living proof of making wrong decisions in life? Anybody in here ever made a wrong decision, right? Like you're like, I'm gonna go with this one on my gut reaction and what I think and my limited view and I think that's good enough. And what you find is it wasn't good enough, right? Anybody spent money yesterday or this week on something that was on your wisdom and you're like, dang, wrong decision. Anybody? Like even in the area of food, sometimes I go to eat with people and I order what I think is the best and I see their plate and I'm like, ah, why didn't I get that? And they're just like, oh, this is so good. This is amazing. And I'm like, ugh, right? Or anybody ever date the wrong decision in here? Like you just like, hopefully you didn't marry them. If you did, don't put your hand up. No, 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 no. But you're just like, shoot, on my wisdom alone, it's like, ah, the the fool is better off than me because I didn't do it right. So here's what we're after today and in this series. How do I get true wisdom? Like for you and I, the question is, I wanna read the book of Proverbs. God, tell me, Pastor Carl, talk to me today about, I want true wisdom in my life. And what is that main missing ingredient that I gotta make sure that I get? Otherwise, it's this important. The whole book of Proverbs won't really work for you. It'll be good, but it'll be an eggless McMuffin. It'll be like, "Eh, it's okay, it's all right, but where's the main missing factor? And so what is that main ingredient? Well, as we get into the book of Proverbs, I want you to know this as you read it. The first nine chapters, there's only 31 of them. The full first nine of them, King Solomon is just making a case for wisdom. Like, wisdom is the best. Here's all the good benefits that come from wisdom. Here's how you become wise. Here's all the things that will happen to your life if you're not wise, if you don't use wisdom. Nine full chapters are just pleading the case to go, guys, it's this important. You got to get wisdom. Wisdom is this empowering in your life. It's so good to make the right. You have to get it. Nine chapters spent of that. In fact, chapters five, six, and seven, if you're a man in this room, specifically focus on that because it's a warning, especially for us men in our thought life and temptations to avoid certain things so that we can make the wise choices. So I'm going to ask that you would go home and you would read the first nine chapters of Proverbs. It takes like 20 minutes max. And guys, Pay attention to five, six, and seven because it's really a a good warning for our lives. But then you get into chapter 10 all the way to 31 and it's literally all of these random one-liners, one-sentencers that is practical wisdom for everyday living. Like literally it's talking about how to make money, how to have a really good work ethic, how to succeed in relationships in the business world and friendships and in romantic relationships. It's just talking about how to budget and manage your time. It's all of these stuff that you read it and you're like, "This, where has this book been hiding in the Bible all this time? Like, this is practical stuff. So we're gonna get into it, but as we study the book of Proverbs, I wanna talk to you today, kind of setting this, the groundwork, setting the stage as we get into this book and the subject of wisdom, that there's four types of people that the Bible in the book of Proverbs identifies. And we all kind of fall into one of these categories, and sometimes we, we switch categories a little bit, but we all kind of fall into these. In the, in the Proverbs, it talks about these, these words, these categorizations, these uh, different people types time and time again, and I'm gonna give you those four so you can kind of recognize as we go through the book of Proverbs. Here's the first one, if you're writing notes, and I think in our notes, there's like a fill in the blank thing. The first one, that the people that is described in Proverbs, the simple The simple. The simple are not necessarily bad people. And then the book of Proverbs says people have wisdom, but the simple don't have wisdom. The reason they don't have wisdom isn't because they've done something wrong, they've done something bad. It's literally, it's those that are just naive. Like they just haven't learned any better yet. They just don't know yet. They haven't put in the time and experience necessary to get a big understanding and to know about this stuff. In fact, Proverbs 7, 7 says this. I saw among the simple... And I notice among the young men a youth who had no sense. See, oftentimes Proverbs will be talking about the young people in regards to being simple. Not because he's saying all oh, young people are dumb or anything like that. Just saying this is that, that the younger you are, you haven't had the chance to live life and experience all the folly and the, 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 the booby traps of life and all this stuff. So oftentimes when you're young, you're just. You're simple because you're just making decisions you just don't know yet. You haven't walked um, through life's up and downs enough to get understanding and go, man, I gotta avoid that. You just kind of walk into it. So it's often talking about the simple. So some of us, we fall into that category. Maybe you just became a Christian last week, literally just last week at Anchor Church. Or maybe you're only a few months into it and you're just like, I want God's wisdom. I want to figure this whole Christianity thing out. It's really good. But I still kind of end up making bad decisions. And it's not because God's going, you're a bad person. It's just that you got to kind of press in. And so here's the cure for the simple. If you're feeling like in certain situations in life or topics, you just don't know, here's what it takes. It just takes time. It takes experience. It takes repetition. And also it takes this, an attitude that says, I just want to keep learning and growing like I'm hungry for it. See, I know this. There's certain sports that you can get and you learn and you can learn the first day and you're already playing the sport. Like if you think about it, like, okay, football, for example. You can pick up a football the very day when someone says, hey, here's how you play football. You can pick the ball up. You can throw the ball. You can catch a ball and learn to run. Now, there's a whole lot more we know that goes into it. But basically, the essence of the sport, within a couple minutes, you are like, experiencing and playing that sport. Does that make sense to you guys? Like it's, it's that easy. Tennis, you pick up a ball, racket, you can hit it over the net into the court. Like that's the sport. You, from there, you just work on it and you get amazing. And there's all this other stuff to it. Boxing, literally punch someone in the face. Hey, you're boxing, (laughs) right? It's the most simple of all sports is literally we just hit each other. There's no ball involved. There's no net. We just hit each other, right? First day you're doing it. But listen to this, surfing, Surfing is difficult. Anybody in here recently tried to start surfing and found that it's really, really hard to do? Now, here's the deal that I know about this sport. I've been doing it for a long time. But I cannot guarantee you that the very first day you cold walk in, grab a surfboard, go out in the waves, that you are going to get up and surf a wave. I can't guarantee you that. I can do everything I can to make it easy. The biggest board in the world, small waves. I can push you. I can help you and all of that. But honestly, if you're just out here today to go, I'm going to try the sport of surfing, I, I can almost guarantee you that you probably won't be what we actually call surfing by the end of the day. Because here's the deal, you're, you're riding and balancing on a small board on an uneven moving surface. You're not like on a, on a hill snowboarding where the mountain doesn't move, right? You're not skateboarding where the skate park, it, it doesn't move. You're on this wave that God created that every single wave is different. And here's the only way that you can actually get good at surfing, been doing all these years is you have to just keep surfing it's repetition it's practice it's it, it's muscle memory it's balance it's learning to read the waves there's no short, shortcuts really the first day i cannot guarantee anybody hey you're going to be good at surfing the first day just go take a board out there you're going to get it now here's what the bible's talking about what the simple is it's not not anybody's fault in here but sometimes we just don't know so what do we have to do We have to be pressing into learning and absorbing and repeating all that we possibly can. It's the very reason that we have the growth track. Did you know that? Like the growth track isn't just, it's an initiation to Anchor Church. No, there's four weeks. Here's what we do in the the four classes. The first one is simply about becoming a member. Know what you're getting into. And before you can say like, I wanna be a member of Anchor Church. Hey, that's a simple mindset. Like learn about them. Do you wanna be a part around here? Do you wanna be a part of God's family? Then we talk about discovering your gifts. You're learning like how God designed you and made you and like, wow, I didn't even know I was like this. We're trying to fast track you into growth in the Lord. Then the third week we talk about developing your leadership. I'm not a leader. No, leadership just means influence. Everybody in this room, you have influence on someone around you. We're trying to point it out to you to get you going, wow, like, I, well, I didn't know I could do that. And the fourth class, which I think is today's class at 11 a.m. in the, the offices over there, is join the team is now jump on and start using your gifts, using what you know, because we're trying to fast track you. That's what growth track really is all about. But here's the, the simple, is how do, you, how do you get the knowledge and the wisdom of the Lord? Is you just start doing it. You start reading your Bible, the basic instruction manual that God has given us, right? B-I-B-L-E, I say this all the time, basic instructions before leaving earth. Read the manual. The way that you go from simple to wise is by learning about God. We'll give you a free Bible. We have free New Testaments out of the blue wall on the, on the courtyard table. Just walk by, grab one. Anybody wants one, but we want you wise and not being simple. Here's the second one. I took a lot of time in the first one. The second one is this, the fool. Proverbs talks about the fool. Now, the fool is very different from the simple because the fool, here's the problem. He knows the right thing to do, but he wants to risk it his way anyway. Anybody ever fall into that fool category like right there? Like you know the right thing to do, but you still say, I'm just gonna risk it and I think my way is better and, and really I, I think this is more fun actually. Like the Bible actually says in Proverbs 10, 23, why would the fool do something like this that risks going against the right way and ends up hurting himself? Because it's more fun. Look what it says. Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible. It's like this for me in my life is like, oh, so I know That's the speed limit, but I'm going to risk it my way, right? Anybody with me on that one, on that particular subject? Good to know I'm not the only guilty party in the house. But too many times we get into this whole human understanding thing that says, um, yeah, I know the Bible says that and I know God's way is that, but I'm going to do it this way. And in, in, in the church nowadays, we think that we're more enlightened. We've gotten more intellectual. We've, we've gained more of an understanding. We have Google. We have Wikipedia. We have the internet. We have all of this at our fingertips. Now suddenly the Bible and God's word becomes a little archaic. It's good. It's cute. Thanks, God. But we know a little bit better than you. We got to watch out for that kind of a teaching, that kind of a theology, that kind of a philosophy. Like we got to be careful, right? Because the fool knows the right way to do It's like this. I know the Bible says that, but... You got to watch out for that butt. That is a dangerous butt. That is a stinky butt. If there's any that is a bad butt. I don't like that butt. That is a wrong butt. When you start saying, I know God says this, I know the word says that, but you're in danger already. That's the fool. And you know what happens? You end up hurting yourself. You know what the cure to the fool is for them to get wisdom? Here's the number one way that a fool finds wisdom. Tragedy, hitting rock bottom the world falling apart around them because they're doing it their way, doing it their way, doing it their way, and finally you come to risk that in, and see it wasn't worth it and it, something falls apart in your life. And too many times that's what it takes me sometimes, a slap in the face, the wake-up call of like, dang, I'm so dumb, I know what's right, I did what's wrong, and now I gotta come around. So don't wait. If you're making foolish decisions and you're, you're waiting for that wake-up call, the tragedy, don't wait for something bad to happen. Here's the other way that you can cure being a fool is actually listen to the advice. Read the Bible and actually listen to what the Bible is saying. Come to church. Surround yourself with good people, with good influence. Is allow people to speak into your life and and direct you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Connect groups, and I'm thankful for my connect group. I meet Friday mornings with a couple of my friends, and we met the other day, and we just lay out what's going on in our lives and what we think about stuff. But then because we're all on the same page seeking God, we're also bold enough in one another's lives to go, hey, Carl, don't risk that way. I don't think that's the best way. It kind of point me back to making sure that what, I, what I'm doing in my life is lining up with God. I don't want to be a fool. It says in Proverbs 13, 20, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Man, I'm thankful for Connect Group. I'm thankful for good godly friends that in my life are always pushing me back to, Carl, Carl, don't, don't risk that. Remember when I was a teenager, I came to this youth group, and the youth group's so healthy because you get God, you get godly leaders, but you get godly peers that are going through the same stuff as you, and they're going, oh, you know what? Carl, don't date that girl, Carl. Not that one. That's not the right. Don't risk it, because here's what God wants for your life. Like, oh, yeah, okay, thanks. Hey, don't, don't go to that party, man. Don't smoke that. Don't drink that. Don't say those kind of words right there. That's hurting people. Like, don't risk going your own way. That is what Proverbs says is a fool. Here's the third type of person, the mocker. It's getting a little bit more serious here. Your Bible might say the scorner, the scoffer, the mocker, basically is a person that is next level up from a fool. See, the fool is out there to go, I'm going to do it my own way, and it'll end up hurting myself. The mocker is literally about, I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to criticize other people. I'm not just going to hurt myself. I'm going to intentionally hurt other people. I'm going to criticize, I'm going to argue with you, I'm going to post this stuff on social media just to get a reaction, then all I want to see is a good old argument and I want to pull people down and make them feel bad about themselves and slander and gossip and all that. Beware of the mocker. That's what you're going to see in Proverbs here today because ultimately they're not just speaking against people and themselves, they're speaking against God. Here's what Proverbs 9, 7, and 8 says. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will just get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't even bother correcting mockers. They'll only hate you. If you correct the wise, they'll love you. But again, it's telling us like, hey, don't even try to to pick an argument with them, pick a fight. Don't even get lured into it. Because the problem with the mocker is somehow, some way, and some means they've hardened their heart against righteousness, the good things of God. And they're not just willing to walk their own path. They want to drag you down as well. So here's why I say be careful if you think like, oh, I can manage, I can speak nice to them, I can do that, pray for them because what they need is prayer more than anything. Be careful because it's toxic in your life. The words might actually get to you and hurt you. But here's the other potentially dangerous thing about the mocker is sometimes they're contagious. Sometimes they lure you right in to their soapbox and whatever they're saying and it pulls you away from God. Be care, if, if you're in that place or if you know someone, anybody know someone like that in your life right now that's just like, I can't hang with those people. They're just, it's toxic, it's terrible. It's a really rough place to be in. It's a sad, it's a lonely, isolated, it's a hurtful place to be in. But here's the only cure. It's not connect group, it's not giving advice, it's not any of that. The only cure for the mocker is God. That's it, that's it. that they've so hardened their heart that they're not gonna to listen to anybody and you need to pray that God would get in there and then bring them to a point of repentance and surrender so that God could begin to soften that heart and turn them around and bring them to Godliness. Does that make sense, guys? And, and honestly, we all probably know someone like this, but sometimes we slide into it ourselves. And if that's you here today, and you know because I'm saying this, and the Holy Spirit's like, dang, that's the, ah, there's that one person that I literally just hate, and I'm always on their case, and this and that, and there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness, then maybe right now what I'm saying isn't me saying anything at all. It's God through this sermon, through this particular point, saying it's time for you to repent, give that stuff up, soften your heart. God's calling out to you right now. He's saying time to turn that around. Stop being the mocker, the fool. Simple, it's time to come back to me. Amen? That could be us. I'm just saying, listen, if God is speaking to you here today, the only cure is God. And here's a fourth person that the Bible talks about in Proverbs is the wise. And this is the goal. This is what we're all about. We're chasing wisdom. And God talks about here's what it is to be wise. Proverbs nine. 9 if you instruct the wise, they'll be even wiser. You teach the righteous, they will learn even more. What is, what, how do we describe what's the definition of the wise? Well, they're humble. They're teachable. This is us in our hearts that we're, we're open to correction. Someone comes along and says, don't risk it, Carl. Then I'm going, What'd you? Say? okay, thank you. I'm gonna go God's way and not go the way that I was headed before. Is it that you're, you're actually thinking things through before you act, you're praying on them, you're applying what they learn? Here's a good definition for the wise. Their lives just work. Think about it, you know people like this. Maybe you're striving to be this person. Is it no matter what life throws at you, for some reason you can look at these people and go, this just happened in their life, this tragedy, or this person said this, or they just got knocked off their their game, but their life still works. Like, how is that, they still overcame the worst tragedy, the worst trial, the worst, like, what's different about this person? This is what we're after, is how do we be wise, how do we be teachable, how do we be humble? Because listen, if we correct the simple, the first people group I talked about, you correct the simple, you might not get understood, they might just be like, well, I don't really understand you. You correct the fool, they might ignore you. You correct the mocker, they might just flat out hate you. But if you correct the wise, they will thank you. See, if you can be someone like that's wise and and correction comes along, you're actually going to appreciate it. Now, here's the main ingredient, because I believe the wise, all throughout Proverbs, is someone that understands the wisdom not just in the Proverbs, but the main ingredient that's missing from that. If you're taking notes, here's the main ingredient we're talking about today. Wisdom's main ingredient is the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. In fact, it actually says this right here in Proverbs, um, Proverbs 9, 10, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. It's the benchmark. It's the, it's the starting point. It's the main ingredient that's missing that you can listen to the book of Proverbs. You can read every one of those chapters every single day and you can say, hey, this is good stuff, but at best, it's only pretty good for your life. It's only a McMuffin without the egg. That's what I was trying to say in the beginning is when you understand the fear of the Lord, it puts all the pieces together and suddenly Proverbs speaks into your life and life begins to just work. But I gotta explain to you what it means to fear God because too many of us, we misunderstand this. We grew up thinking something. We, our view of God is what determines our relationship with God. And if our view of God is fear, and we're, we're defining fear by I should live in terror, I'm scared, he could smite me, he could just wipe me out, He's, he hates the wrong that I do in my life, I'm scared. If your view of God is one that he is a harsh, mean, scary God then your relationship with God is gonna be constantly fearful, scared, worried. I shouldn't even go to church because God's gonna be mad that I even showed up. I'm worthless. I'm like this, I'm like that. That's how your relationship with God is gonna be determined by your view of what the word fear means. But if you understand what the word fear means and that you understand the heart of God is loving, that he's a father, that he's actually forgiving, that when you come to him and say, God, I wanna follow you with my life, he's not there to judge you and go, yeah, you better, you dirty sinner, right? (laughs) He's, He's not like that that our father in heaven is like, I was waiting for you, son. You ever read the prodigal son story? It says when the the son that had sinned and ran off and squandered the money and rebelled against his father was so desperate and in need that he came home to just be a servant, hopefully in his dad's house. It says that the dad saw him from far away and the dad just hiked up his robes, you know, because that's what they wore back in the day. And nobody, no man, respectfully would ever lift their robes and show their ankles, but this dad goes, is that my kid coming home? Man, I'm running to my son. And he embraced him and he threw a party for him. That if we have that kind of a a, a fear of God, of a loving God that is like that, and our whole relationship is going to be, my God loves me. And I screwed up pretty bad, but he's here to welcome me right back. He forgives me. He put his own son on the cross for me. Man, that's the, this is the fear of God that I'm talking about. Isn't that our God, guys? Isn't that our Father in heaven? Like, that's so good to know. So here's the main three things about the fear of the Lord that you got to catch today because that's the secret ingredient to getting wisdom. Number one is you need to know this. Fear means that God is awesome. That like God is awesome. It's just simple. It just means he's amazing. He's wonderful. The word wonderful means you wonder how he did that, right? I look at my life and I'm like, wait, God, I'm, I'm on stage preaching. You, you know this is me, Carl Moore, right, from Kailua. Like, I, you wanted me to be the pastor here today? Like, I wonder how you did. T- Why would you think that, right? You just literally are going like, God, you're awesome. I look at this world around me and I'm like, who could create this? This is amazing, God. Like, healthy fear of God means He's awesome, he's just so big, he's he's incredible. Why would you save me? Look at the miracles you do. Psalm 33, eight says, let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. When you look at your own life and who you are and you just look back and you go, I don't deserve this. Why would God even care about me? Why would he even save me? Like, I don't deserve heaven. Like, I deserve everything that you have designed for those that sin against you, God, hell, that's me. And yet God goes, nah, I think you're pretty cool. Now there's room for you and my family. Now watch what I'm gonna do in your life. Remember the miracle I did five years ago? Remember that thing that I did with your relationship just the other day? Yeah, yeah. And you just have to sit back and go, God, you're awesome. God, you're awesome. See, to get the wisdom the word is talking about is we have to have this fear that means God is just good. He's just awesome. And here's a second thing. This may be the most important thing that I preach here today. Is the knowledge, this is what fear of the Lord means, is the knowledge that God is, is holy. That's a word maybe we we take out of context sometimes. But God is holy. And sometimes I think we forget this. Really, I do. I, I love our church. I love the way that we deliver the message that we're, we're a church that's laid back. You can dress however you want, come to church wearing whatever, just wear something we prefer. But you can come however you want. That we use lights and smoke sometimes and all of that to, to just give like a modern, contemporary feel. We enter into worship and, you know, it, we, we, we come as we are. Right, we promise to love you as is because that's how our God is, right? Just come as you are. He knows how you are. He's seen you naked every day in the shower, right? And he's like, he knows everything about us so we can come real laid back. And sometimes we get maybe too familiar and too laid back with God. This is my point. Sometimes we get a little bit too much. Hey, big man in the sky, what's up? Yeah, Jesus is my homeboy, right? We get a little bit too relaxed like that. Let me remind you in this that fear of the Lord means you understand that God is holy, That we serve a holy God that we have to bring respect to, that we bring reverence to, that he is high and mighty, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's all of these big words, he is amazing, he's humongous, he designed the whole entire universe, he created all things living and breathing, everything that we see, and I can barely dress myself in the morning. You guys know what I'm saying? Like this morning, I was getting ready and in the mirror and all that. I'm like, I hug some people, so I got to make sure I use cologne or whatever. Give myself a little shot right in my eye. (laughs) I can't even dress myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, Like, God is perfect, He's holy, He's huge. And when I come before Him in His presence, It's not just Jesus is my homeboy. You are the mighty living God that could wipe me out at any second, yet you love me so much, but you deserve all my respect, all my honor. I am humble before you. Psalm 99.5 says, exalt the Lord, bow low before his feet, for he is holy. Hebrews 12.28, the author reminds us, since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God By worshiping him, how do we worship him? With holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. He's sacred, he's undefiled, he's set apart from any other person on planet earth that you would ever say, oh, God's kind of like this. No, 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 he's his own deal. He's bigger than all of us. How do you worship him? The Bible says here that we worship with holy fear and awe. I wonder what your posture is when you come into worship in this room on a Sunday morning. I question myself sometimes, where am I at? Who am I worshiping? Am I rolling in late, just like whatever? And like, oh, this is a cool song, but I don't really like that one so much. I'll sing it the next song. You know, that's my favorite one over there. And like, I'm just kind of looking around at everybody and look at this guy. How's this guy dressed over here? And what's this guy doing in church? I saw where he was at last night and we're looking in and we're distracted and we're all of these things. In a time of worship that God is saying, he's holy, we should have awe of him. We should stand in his presence with reverence and respect What's the posture of our worship when we come in here? When we come in here to worship, are we focused on how huge he is and how small we are? And we close our eyes sometimes because we're like, I don't even want to be distracted, God. This is your time. I don't even deserve to be here. You're amazing. You're holy. You're, oh gosh, I don't even have words to say. God, you know what? I can't help but raise my hands. You don't judge, oh look at these weird people raising their hands. No, here's the response of our heart in worship is, God. You're beyond me. You're bigger than me. I'm down here. I'm little. But man, everything in my life, it's because of you. It's for you. It's from you. I just need more of you right now. And if you feel like dropping to your knees because you're overwhelmed by the presence of a living God, you get to your knees and you reverence and you worship a mighty, holy God. You guys feel me on this? We're going to actually sing a song right now with that thought in mind. I don't care what brought you in here today right now. We're here because we're in God's house and he is a holy God. And we're gonna practice right now, taking a posture, whatever that looks like for you, of reminding yourself, we're not here to play. It doesn't matter what song you like and how the person next to you is dressed or what they sound like. We are called to worship a holy, reverent, respectful, honoring God that is worthy of our absolute humility and our praise. Can we stand up right now as Trevor leads us in this song and let's get into that zone right now.
1: There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes.
0: Before you Lord with the proper reverence and respect that you are due and Lord wisdom does not work unless we understand that you are a God that is holy and to be feared and to be respected and to be honored in our lives Father God but Lord forgive us of any time when we just take it halfway we take it shallow we take it too simple and we, we, we dumb you down God you are everything you are bigger than anything Lord we don't even deserve to be in your presence but you allow it because you love us, but God, most certainly here today, Anchor Church, we know you are a holy God. Let our lives reflect that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys be seated? Please be seated. We're not over yet. Sorry, you guys thought you were getting out of here early. We're still... (laughs) But there's one more thing about God. Proper fear of the Lord is that, God, you're awesome. You're awesome. You're wonderful. You're amazing. And secondly, God, you are holy. You deserve everything. But the third thing is this, this, and it's real simple, is that God is right. Just write that in your notes. God is always right, that we choose his way, not our way. We don't, we don't choose and to listen to the world around us and what they say and where status quo is at, and what, what's trending right now. No, God is always trending right now. That we don't listen to the culture and what's going on with, well, the Bible's cool, it's a little archaic, but let's modify it a little bit. No, no, no. We don't listen to science. We don't think science is always right because they can prove blah, 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 because science will just tell you this. Science says there's no way that a Red Sea could part and a million people could actually cross through a sea that is walled up like walls of water on the sides and they can get through. That's impossible, science says, right? Science also says that like, hey, it's impossible for a a virgin to give birth to a child because we all know that it can't be a woman alone because it takes two, baby, right? Like man and woman, there's no way. That, like science, no, that's impossible, virgin birth. It's also impossible that a man literally walked on water. No way you'll sink. We know the laws of blah, 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 right? And there's no way that someone that's been dead for a couple days is literally getting back up and, and coming to life. There's no possible way. Well, listen, the, science doesn't prove that the Bible is wrong. God just proves that he's bigger and better and more miraculous than science can actually prove, amen? That God is who he says he is which means I read my Bible and I believe, I believe every single word that it says in there because God is always right. And if we understand that and we apply that to our lives, listen to what Psalm 19 verse 7 says. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise even the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord, they're clear, giving insight for living, Every single day reverence right the holiness reverence for the Lord is pure and lasting forever the laws of the Lord are true and each one is fair they're more desirable than gold even the finest gold they're sweeter than honey even honey dripping straight from the comb they're a warning to your servant and a great reward to those who obey them I went to jury duty a couple weeks ago anybody been to jury duty lately it's pretty awesome. I learned a whole lot. I wasn't selected to be on the, jur- the jury, but I was one of the two alternates. So I got to hear the whole case, everything. I learned a bunch in a the, in the few days. Like I'm, I'm pretty street-wise, legal-wise right now. You guys can come to me for consultation. Like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm almost a lawyer, basically. Like I, that, that case, like I get it. I know the whole system. It's pretty amazing. But I was in there and I was one of the alternates. And um, so I got to hear the whole proceedings, the, the arguments on both sides and everything. And I'm just like, wow, this is this is a no-brainer. This is an easy one. And all the way up until the point where the jury goes to deliberate in the back room and come up with a unanimous decision, like I was listening to the whole thing. The reason I'm an alternate is in case one of the jury members got sick, couldn't make it, they drop you in. You've heard the whole case. You're on the jury. So unfortunately, all the jury stayed. And at that moment where I'm ready, oh, we get to make a decision now? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Carl Moore, thank you for your service and your time. Um, you're just an alternate. And um, the jury's going to go back there. Here's your $33 check or whatever. Go go enjoy that, right? And I was like, no, because I'm like, D- you guys know, like, you need me. Like, I, I'm pretty good. I like, I just learned all about the law. Like, I'm a pastor. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> like, uh, you want me in there, right? And they're just like, no. And they excuse me. And me and the other alternate guy were walking down the hall, and we're just like, ah, dude, we missed it. We didn't get to be a part of it. Yeah, but we know the verdict, don't we? Totally, we know that. Like, guarantee guarantee the guy's guilty, yeah? Of course. Like, evidence and everything. Yeah, we're good. And they tell you, well, we're going to call you in a couple days, and we're just going to let you know how it turned out and the verdict and all that and stuff. We're like, yeah, fine, call, but like, it's no-brainer. We know. Open, shut case. We know what's going to happen already. A couple days later, I'm in the office. I'm studying. I'm at my desk, and uh, the phone call comes. Who's this phone number? I don't recognize the number. You're straight to voicemail, buddy. Like anybody like that, you screen them. You screen them, you got to right? There's like all kinds of crazy fraud and tax stuff. Anyway, so um, I listened to the message and it's like, hey, Mr. Moore, just calling to let you know, follow up on the jury duty. Um, the court came to decision, the jury, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we found him not guilty. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I literally was tempted to call back and correct them. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm an alternate, but you guys are wrong here. You know, like, and like, how could you? And I started thinking, like, can I trust the legal system? That guy's out roaming the streets. How many other times has this happened? Like, oh, my gosh. And like, the whole deal. And I'm just thinking, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But here is the deal. What I'm saying is, even if in your life you're like, that doesn't make sense. That's not right. The timing is wrong. That's not the way I would do it. God is always right. He's always right. Like, part of the healthy fear of the Lord that says, I want wisdom to work in my life. He is awesome. He is holy, but he is always right. Even if it looks like wrong timing, wrong plans, wrong circumstances, God says, nope, it's exactly the right timing. It's exactly the right circumstances. It's exactly the right way to go because I am always right. The main ingredient that is missing with us just chasing after wisdom that you have to interject in there is the fear of the Lord. You cannot eat the egg McMuffin, or let me put it this way because we're getting closer to lunch. You cannot have the Big Mac without the two all-beef patties. You guys feel me on that one? Because you guys know what goes into a Big Mac, right? Remember the jingle? Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun, right? You guys remember that one? McDonald's jingles are important to me. What can I say? It's a priority. You can't have the Big Mac without two all-beef patties. You can't have the Egg McMuffin without the egg. You cannot have the full extent and the blessing of wisdom in your life unless you have the healthy, proper fear of God. Amen? Amen. There's a main ingredient, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word today. Lord, we thank you for Proverbs. Lord, we're excited to start reading this book. We're excited to start applying the wisdom that you have for us. Lord, we don't wanna be simple-minded. We don't wanna be foolish. And we sure as heck do not want to be a mocker or a scoffer or a critic of righteousness in our own lives. Lord, help us to fall into that category of the wise, those that listen, that humble themselves, that have a proper fear and respect and love for who you are, Father God, that we can't wait to see how our lives are just going to start Working, no matter what, that they're going to work because you are always right. Lord, I pray right now, if there's anybody in the room, and and this may be you, our heads are are bowed, our eyes are closed, but but I want to offer a prayer right now for some people in this room. And the some people are the ones that have never really made a commitment to saying yes to following Jesus, to really letting God be your God, not just like, well, I go to church once in a while, I read the Bible before, and, and I like some of the concepts of the Bible, but I'm talking about that you would be all in that you would surrender completely and you'd say, God, I get it. Not part of the Bible is right, but all of it is right. I'm gonna trust you with my life, Lord, and, and I'm gonna follow you all of my days. That you, if you're at a point in your life right now where you're ready to say, I'm, I'm gonna follow Jesus, I wanna be a Christian full on and I wanna know it and I wanna see God move in my life. There's a lot of people in this room that we've already prayed that, we've ex- been experiencing and living out the goodness of God in our life, the forgiveness, the healing, all of that good stuff. But for some of you today, it could be your day. Today could be the day that changes every perspective in your life, that allows you to feel all the goodness and and the love and the support and the wisdom that God's gonna download you. And it's not gonna just last for this lifetime, but it's actually eternal. When you say yes to God, that when you die, the game is not over. You go to heaven for eternity to be with him and his family, rejoicing forever. And if that's a prayer that you'd like to pray here today, I would love to lead you in this prayer. As our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I'm gonna pray some words out loud. Not you. I'll pray the words out loud. And I'm asking if you would like to say yes to Jesus and become a Christian here today, all you gotta do is take the words I'm saying. You own them in your heart towards God. I'm gonna be praying in the first person. and You would own it. And you'd be your words to God in your heart. God sees your heart. He judges you on your heart. And he's gonna change your life starting here today. It starts with that simple prayer. Then you follow him out all the rest of the days of your life. But if you'd like to do that with me here today, I'm just going to ask one simple thing. Everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed. No one's looking. But if you would like to say this prayer with me here today, can you just give me, please, the privilege and the honor of knowing who I'm praying with this morning and let me know who I'm going to pray with by simply right now doing one thing, just raising your hand. Hold your hand up and say, Pastor Carl, I want to pray right now. I want God in my life. I want to be a Christian. Can you hold it up? Because I just want to acknowledge you. You just need to know that you've been seen. Good. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see the hands over here. I see a hand right there. I see this hand. This is the heart. This is the decision. I see you. I see you. I see you. If you're in the kids room in the back, somebody sees you. If you're in the courtyard, somebody sees you. If you're online watching right now and you're praying this, somebody sees you. I see all those hands. Put them down right now. Here's the more important thing is God sees your heart. It's not even a matter of Carl seeing you. I'm just blessed to know who I'm praying with. But here's the prayer. You make this your own in your heart right now. God, I'm here today and I'm coming before you to acknowledge that I want you to be my God. Lord, I realize how my life is and the the limited perspective and wisdom that I have and I'm tired of that. It's not getting me where I want it to. Lord, I need your help. I need you to be the wise counsel in my life through your word, through other Christians in your family, through your Holy Spirit, speaking thoughts and impressions and decisions and desires on my heart and my head to know how to live with wisdom. Lord, I don't wanna be foolish. I don't wanna mock anymore, Lord. I don't wanna be simple and not know. I want to know you. So right now, Lord, here's my life. I'm telling you, I believe Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago. He literally, God became man, lived on this planet, showed us how to have a relationship with you, then went to the cross, paid the price for our sins. God, those of us praying right now, all of us in the room, Lord, we believe that you died for our sins to pay the price so that we wouldn't have to. We don't have to experience hell. We don't have to experience life without you, that we could know you and your goodness because of what Jesus did. And he didn't stay dead. He did what only the son of God could do. He rose from the dead, defeated death and life itself, defeated sin and shame and junk and garbage and guilt and, and issues and all that junk in my life so that I could be free of that. And Lord, I believe that as I say yes to you, Lord, I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm gonna follow you all of my days. I'm gonna accept the power of your Holy Spirit to begin to change me and mold me into someone better for you. Thank you for being my God. And in Jesus' name, the church said, amen, amen. Let's praise God with all those people right now. Amen. Man, I like that. I love that.